<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes that's right jsc exclusives you'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else for ten dollars or more per episode now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show you got a business you want me to talk about it i want you to sponsor my show for ten dollars hit me up send me the script i'm putting you over plus you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and I'm the host of a new show here on RVN TV called Jay Scott Confidential. It's a sports show that doesn't always stick to sports. Every week, we'll talk about the biggest topics in the sports world, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or whatever. Plus, we'll have some great guests, we'll have a few laughs. In fact, we're going to have a lot of fun. So every Saturday at 12 noon, right here on RVN TV, it's Jay Scott Confidential. And I promise, not to keep it inside of this is JSC Radio. I don't know if you noticed this, but Ohio State went down today in Iowa. What does this mean for the Big Ten race with what you guys got left in November? Spartans like to make it interesting in November. We are tied at 24. Right now. Nail biter that's been going on since noon. Third and 11 at the Spartan 47. The ball's midway between the hash marks. Spartans defending the north end zone to our left. McSorley in a little trouble, escapes to his left, throws on the run. It is intercepted. Just inside the 30-yard line. Picked off by Joe Bocci. Second down and goal. Spartans at the Penn State 7. Balls at the left hash. Cody White and Daryl Stewart now set to the right. Felton Davis set left. Snap back to Brian Lewerke, end zone throw, leaping grab made, Daryl Stewart over Troy Apke, touchdown MSU. Spartans like to make it interesting in November. First and 10 Spartans at the Penn State 33. Four minutes till halftime. Straight eye behind Lewerke. Play fake to Gerald, play fake on the end around. Now he'll throw left pylon. Nice catch! Felton Davis with a diving catch! Into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Third down 11. Spartans at the Penn State 46-yard line. Brian Lewerke. Quick throw. Hunter Risen. Caught by Hunter Risen. Inside the 20-yard line. Great fingertip catch. And that thing was thrown like a rocket. Grant Haley pulled him down. Great concentration. 
and a fingertip grab by Hunter Risen. I don't know if you noticed this, but Ohio State went down today in Iowa. First and goal, Spartans. At the Penn State three. Tenth play of the drive coming up. LJ Scott, the running back. Spartans at the left hash at the three yard line of Penn State. Heading for the south end zone to our right. Straight eye behind Brian Lewerke. And off to LJ, off right guard to the goal line, to the end zone, touchdown, MSU! We are tied at 24. Right now. Nail biter that's been going on since noon. Three wide outs, wide side right. Barkley to the right of McSorley. Pump fake by McSorley. Wants to throw it down the middle. It is picked off. Picked off by David Dowell. David Dowell with another interception. I don't know if you noticed this, but Ohio State went down today in Iowa. What does this mean for the Big Ten race with what you guys got left in November? Spartans like to make it interesting in November. Spartans in position to win this football game with four seconds to play. It'll be a 34-yard field goal try by young Matt Coglin. Kaplish ready to snap it. Brian Lewerke will hold it. It's on the way back, it's down, it's up. It's long it's enough. It's good! And it's, it's good! Spartans win! They win, baby! That's the end of the game. Matt Coughlin, the hero, swarmed by his teammates. A 34-yard field goal. Down goes Penn State. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now! Oh, I'm in a feisty, spicy mood today, baby. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 55th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC. Radio, yes sir, damn it. Welcome once again, my friends, to the podcast that never ends for the 55th time. I am back at you once again. Want to shout out and get a big rest in peace to Blade Icewood. You already know what it is, Motor City. What up, though? It's that time again. Time for another edition of JSC Radio. Want to thank each and every one of you who checked out JSC TV, the first ever edition of JSC TV on RVN TV. That's RVNTV.com. TV to check out the show live every Saturday, live, live, damn it, we're doing it live every Saturday on rvntv.tv starting at 12 noon Eastern, so be sure to check that out and stream it L-I-V-E, it doesn't get much better than live, and by the way, I also want to thank each and every one of y'all who support the show on jscottsmith.com, that's the mothership, the home of all things JSC, plus of course, Anybody who subscribes to the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, as well as Google Play, as well as Stitcher, of course, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio, on Audio Boom, and all places in between. Thank you, damn it, thank you. You can follow me on the Twitter machine now with 280 characters at J. Scott Smith. That name is verified. You can also follow the show at JSC Radio. Be sure to support us on Instagram at J. Scott Smith. On Facebook, it's real J. Scott Smith, which is also verified. You know what this is. I want to thank y'all guys one more time for showing me love and supporting me, having my back. And if you want to have my back further, 
go to patreon.com slash JSC radio. You know what it is, baby. I am in a fired up, happy-go-lucky mood. You heard the damn intro. For the first time since episode 40, we've got to have a real discussion about Michigan State University football. I'm not talking about the tongue lashing I gave to the slackers in blue and yellow down in Ann Arbor. I'm talking about a real, actual, man-to-man conversation about this damn program. Because as you just heard there, that, thanks to the Spartan Radio Network, by the way, George Blaha, Jason Strayhorn, who they are, I will say this much, Jason Strayhorn is probably the best color guy that I've ever heard with George Blaha. And I've been listening to Michigan State football on the radio for more than 20 years. And Jason Strayhorn, the former Spartan player, he played at MSU while I was a student there. We were both students at MSU at the same time. Jason Strayhorn steps all over Blaha, but it works. It works so well. That is, I'm, I'm, I've been meaning to get that out there. Jason Strayhorn, wherever you are, brother, I'm, I'm there with you. Go green, big fellas. So you heard there. From last Saturday, back in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium, 76,000 people. Well, at the start of the game, there were 76,000 people. By the time we got to the end of that damn thing, there might have been a third of the people there, but it sounded like there were about 100,000 people in that stadium when young Matt Coughlin hit that field goal to beat Penn State. That's right, you are third place. Hold that. Tell me how it feels. Doesn't feel too good, does it? Well, guess what? That's where you are now. I kind of half-jokingly called this the MSU Revenge Tour after what happened last year. We talked about it in episode 40. Last year was a disaster of a season, and it was coming off of a year that was probably the single best MSU season of the last half century. And then it all went to hell in the national playoff game, semifinal game at the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Eve, 2015 going into 16 against the University of Alabama. Now, that might be the point where on the field things took a turn. I mean, and who could I mean it's Alabama. And Alabama is what they is what they they is what they is. They do what they do. And yes, while that playoff game ended 38 nothing, that was a 7 nothing score going toward halftime. And MSU had the ball. And they were driving for the tie before Connor Cook made an ill-advised pass and got picked off, and they never really got close again. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. I'm sorry. My my lovely cousin, Rochelle Turner, she's a TV reporter down in Oklahoma, but she is a Alabama grad. She is roll damn tide for real. She is she got that damn hound's tooth running through her damn blood. Rochelle's like my she's she's my cousin but she might as well be the little sister that I never had I love you to death Rochelle let me tell you something them damn boys ruined my damn football team that damn tide rolled they, they rolled all over my damn Spartans and messed the whole damn thing up they weren't right those boys weren't right for more than a year after what happened to them but truth be told that was the beginning that was what when it first showed up on the field things had been bubbling below the surface for that program for a while. Again, I rehashed most of this in episode 40. But I didn't go a lot into the 3-9 and nine season, the disaster that was last year in real depth. The best way I can describe the 2016 MSU football season 
it was probably the second most gut-wrenching season of my life of any sport. And I've seen all four of my teams in Detroit hit rock damn bottom in my life. I've seen MSU basketball be pretty bad and go through some pretty rough stretches, obviously not in the last 20 years, but through some rough stretches in my life. And I've seen MSU football be everything from mediocre to bad to okay to pretty good to effing great to whatever the hell that was last year. The only season that I would put, the only two seasons I would put ahead, if you can call that ahead, of what happened to MSU last year in order MSU is number three. MSU's 2016 season is number three. Number two are the 119 lost Detroit Tigers of 2003. And by the way, the 2018 Detroit Tigers might not be that far away from that 03 team. It's going to get real ugly. And number one, as if anybody couldn't have guessed this, it's the 2008 Detroit Lions where next year is the 10th anniversary of that abomination. But that MSU team from last year was god-awful. They won their first two games, beat Notre Dame, no less. Boy, I'd love to trade that one off right about now. Beat Notre Dame, no less, and then just got splattered all over the place when things just imploded during the Wisconsin game the following week. They were in the top 10, by the way, when they played Wisconsin that day and got blowed up real good by the Badgers. And then it was just a series of just gut-wrenching, awful inexplicable L's just one after the other a home loss to a Michigan team that wasn't really that good as we found out home losses to Northwestern that got Northwestern got in the way again this year too North home losses to Northwestern a 17-16 loss to Ohio State I'll get to the Buckeyes in a few the only a loss to Maryland on the road they got beat by Illinois it was bad The only conference win and the only win they had after September was a shutout of Rutgers at home. That was the only one. That was their third and final win of the season. And then they went to Penn State and got their head kicked in to finish off probably the worst MSU season of the last 40 years. It was god-awful. It was a watershed moment for all the wrong reasons. It was one of the single most disastrous falls from grace I've ever seen a college football team take. Teams will make the playoffs. Teams will win big bowl games. Teams will win conference championships and then fade back to like seven and five or eight and four. Teams don't go to the college football playoff, go 12 and one, get to the playoff game against the University of Alabama and then come out the next year and drop nine out of 12. That just don't happen. And do it in some of the most god-awful fashions. They probably lost five or six games they should have won last year. And I'm counting both Michigan and Ohio State. They lost five or six games they should have won, but they couldn't stand each other. And the only thing worse than that season was the level of gleefulness, the level of happiness that people were just taking in the misfortune of MSU. And I already touched on this a couple weeks ago. It was it was bizarre and it was disturbing, and when this season started, I came in with the expectation that look, last year was an anomaly. Last year was bad, but they wouldn't possibly be this bad again. 
Yes, Mark D'Antonio could have made some changes to that coaching staff. I admit fully I wanted him to get rid of Dave Warner, the offensive coordinator. They needed to do something to spice this up. Brian Lewerke, by the way, was just kind of starting to come into his own when he broke his leg last year in the Michigan game. Lost him for the season. Which, now that we see what he's doing this year, had Lewerke not gotten hurt last year, 3-9 and nine is probably closer to 6-6. Six and six. So who knows? I'd say they win at least the games in Maryland and Illinois and probably beat Northwestern at home rather than take all three of those L's along the way. Can't say the same, and who knows, considering that they almost won the OSU game without him. I'm just saying. You come to this year, I'm fully expecting them to rebound. They get their first two games, they lose to Notre Dame, and then the run starts. And save for, I mean, we already rehashed what happened in Ann Arbor, which is really, I think, the watershed moment for this team. It's the watershed moment for this for this program, is them going to Ann Arbor and beating Michigan, who is the maybe the biggest paper tiger in college football. But you go to Michigan and beat that team when everybody's just expecting it to be like another crowning achievement, another coronation, another proof that little brother is back where he belongs, or not. We've talked about that already, though. But since then, they beat Minnesota, they beat Indiana, homecoming. They had the ridiculously strange game in Evanston against Northwestern, a team that if you put those two teams on the field 10 times, Michigan State beats them probably eight. But one of the two times occurred when it mattered. And then comes last Saturday, the aforementioned last Saturday that you heard in the intro. Penn State, Pissed off, angry. They went into OSU all super-powered. Had a big-ass lead. Blew it. Lost by one. And now they come stomping up into East Lansing. Pissed. And they showed up in East Lansing looking to basically make an example out of MSU and then get back into the national title picture. Pretty much just dismiss and shoo along MSU as a pretender in the Big Ten. And then you heard what happened. Man, listen. I can't explain what the hell's going on with MSU football. I just know they're what the game needs right now. Seriously. What the hell, MSU? I mean, trust me, I ain't mad. Just, I need some ex- I need some help. Because I've said multiple times on this podcast that at the beginning of the season, I watched those first couple of games they played with Western Michigan and Bowling Green. Nobodies in the MAC. And that team was like, okay, they're pretty good. Lewerke doesn't get hurt. They might be a couple years away from taking back the Big Ten. And along the way, I also said, this team looks like their first major test is going to be Iowa. And then after that, it's Michigan. It was during the Iowa game, watching them play and beat Iowa. The same Iowa that decided they were just going just going to wrap up Ohio State nice and tight in a straitjacket and then beat them like a piñata on national TV. That they took Iowa and basically grinded them down to nothing. It was about at halftime of that Iowa game where I said They're going to go to Ann Arbor and they're going to beat Michigan because Michigan is soft. They are. Michigan is soft. 
that team talks tough. MSU is tough. And they're gonna go to they're gonna go to Ann Arbor and they're gonna beat that team. And they did. Playing a tough, mean, nasty game in the weather, the bad weather, the bad, nasty rain, which seems to be a, a trend following MSU around is these nasty-ass rainy days, the, the, the nasty-ass rain, a game, by the way, that they led 14-3 to prior to the rain coming in. But it was rainy, it was ugly, it was nasty. It's the type of thing that these Michigan fans love to fantasize about because they always act like back in the day we played three yards in a cloud of dust and we liked the rain and the elements in the mud. Yeah, you didn't like it too much, and MSU beat you at that game. And they then go on, beat Minnesota, as I mentioned. They took out Indiana. They had the Northwestern fiasco. And then last Saturday, Matt Coughlin kicking a game-winning field goal after missing two chippies in Evanston. He drilled a th- – he, he hit two field goals in the fourth and beat them. And now, we're, now, now here we are. They're pretty much – right back to where they were two years ago. While not as super-powered as they were two years ago, they're going into Columbus in mid-November with an opportunity to essentially put the Big Ten Eastern Division on lockdown. I am in stunned shock. And if there's anybody, and I mean anybody, who actually thought Back in September, that by the time we got to the second week of November, that the Spartans and Ohio State would be tied for first in the East, heading into their game with the winner essentially, but not completely, putting the division on ice. If you tell me you saw that coming, you are a lying motherfucker. I refuse to believe it. There ain't no way. Nobody believes it. I sure as hell didn't. Did I think they were going to go 3-9 again? Of course not. Did I think they were going to be 7-2? And, and honestly could be honestly should be 8-1? and one? No, I didn't think that either. I thought they were two years away. And then after they beat Michigan and beat Minnesota, I was like, you know what? They might be one year away. They might win this thing next year. Now, bets are off. All bets are off. They're playing with house money going to Columbus, a place where Mark D'Antonio has already won twice against the Buckeyes. Twice. Twice. Let me say that one more time. Twice. Twice. Which is as many times as Michigan has beaten their so-called rival in this century. Plus, when I say twice, I mean just twice in Columbus. Antonio's beaten OSU three times in the last six years. Last six meetings, they've split them 3-3. And two of the OSU wins were up by the score of 17-16. to That's a rivalry, y'all. It may not have the DVDs and the HBO specials and, the, and all the folklore attached to it and all the BS from the 1970s and all this other nonsense, but this is a real rivalry. And OSU and the people down in Columbus respect us enough to acknowledge that. It's insanity because Michigan State is pulling off one of the all-time great college football stories. And we're seeing it just kind of evolve week to week, game to game, half to half, quarter to quarter, possession to possession. We've seen this whole thing evolve into something just crazy, this wild-ass ride 
that every weekend, last year I was dreading MSU games coming on to the point where I was, I could barely get through half of them because it was just so awful. Now, the the goosebumps are back. And unlike the 2015 team or the 2014 team or the 2013 team or the 2011 team, you know, all those Big Ten championships start to run together. You wouldn't know anything about that, Ann Arbor. It's that this one is different. The Kirk Cousins and and Connor Cook teams and the and the high powered offense and the and the mean ass defense. You kind of saw that coming. This is just completely out of nowhere, and it's rather wild that Michigan State is getting this kind of pub. They're number twelve in the college football playoff rankings, which. I didn't think they'd be that high until probably next year. They're number 12, and there is a conceivable way for them to get back to the playoff. I don't think it's going to happen, but there is a pathway. It's no longer ludicrous to suggest they could win the Big Ten. Not the division, the conference. It's not outrageous to suggest they could win the Big Ten. And I couldn't have said that to you. Six weeks ago. I couldn't have said that to you a month ago with a straight face. But here we are. And they get more love outside of the state of Michigan than they do inside of the state of Michigan, which is just outrageous. There's so much saltiness and so much bitterness going through the state of Michigan because they took so much pleasure in watching the Spartans suffer last year. And it's all thrown right back in their face again. Michigan's right back to where they were two years ago, looking up at MSU and OSU. And hell, now it's even Penn State. I can't even make fun of them for being in third place. They might end up in fourth. It's funny. It's wild. And it's fun. Saturday, despite the fact that there was a a three-and-a-half-hour rain delay in between, really, the first part of the game and then the second quarter on through, it was amazing to watch. It was was startling. I got done doing JSC TV, and I put it on satellite radio and listened to Blaha and Strayhorn. It was amazing. They are must-see TV. Win or lose, they are must-see TV. And that's something I could that's something I couldn't say about last year's team. And big up to Mark D'Antonio. This man is a monster. This man is a he's a wizard. He he's a warlock. He's a witch. He's everything. He is everything. Dude is I, I if this team somehow wins the Big Ten or or even gets to Indianapolis. It's a place that you wouldn't, it, it, that's where the Big Ten Championship game is played. That's where the grown-ups hang out. So, Michigan, don't worry about all that. We're, we're not talking to you right now. But if he gets this team to Indianapolis a year after 3-9, and nine, a year after losing five starters because of controversy, a year after your damn locker room basically imploded, to get them into this position alone is magnificent. Mark D'Antonio where if he were doing, I'm going to keep bringing them up because it really bothers me. If he were doing this in Ann Arbor, he would be canonized in the state of Michigan. But he's doing it in East Lansing, and they have to begrudgingly give him his props. There. Outside of the state of Michigan, people know the story. What's happening at MSU is one of the most remarkable one-year swings in modern college football history. And that it follows the most disastrous one-year swing in history, Makes it all the more insane. You got Mark D'Antonio coming into the season with his legacy suddenly on life support and his program gleefully written off and left for dead. He's made fools of us all once again, regardless of what happens in Columbus. 
if this Michigan State team doesn't inspire you, then I don't understand you. I don't get it. Because these boys are out here balling. Balling, you understand me? And while I'm not crazy enough to go to say they're going to go to Columbus and beat that team, I saw a team with a much lesser quarterback. In fact, they had two lesser quarterbacks go into Columbus two years ago and beat that team. I saw a team go into Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game when Ohio State was undefeated and beat that team by 10. You sleep on them all you want to, and you duck them all you want to. There's a team. There's a, there's a team by the banks of the Red Cedar that's got something for your ass. My name is Jay Scott Smith. And coming up after this break, we get to have some more fun with football because there's shade being thrown around. The Lions actually decided to show up on Monday night because their opponents damn sure didn't. And Jameis Winston, oh boy. Somebody need to come get your mans because uh, that, that, boy, that boy ain't right. Something ain't right with that kid and I can't quite figure it out. My name is Jay Scott Smith and this is the 55th episode, episode 55 of JSC Radio and we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey now, my name is Jay Scott Smith, and I'm the host of a new show here on RVN TV called Jay Scott Confidential. It's a sports show that doesn't always stick to sports. Every week, we'll talk about the biggest topics in the sports world, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or whatever. Plus, we'll have some great guests, we'll have a few laughs, in fact, we're going to have a lot of fun. So every Saturday at 12 noon, right here on RVN TV, it's Jay Scott Confidential. And I promise, not to keep it inside the Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. Matthews got it, wants to throw. Looks right, throws out there, wants Marvin Jones. End zone. Did he catch it? 
You bet. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, Marvin locked up with Devon House down the right sideline. Stafford dropped it in the basket. Marvin hauled it in 25 yards and a touchdown. Who needs the red zone, right? Just get it in there any, any way you can. And that time, Marvin Jones did a great job, and Stafford did a great job of looking off the safeties. He kept his eyes left, and then at the last minute, came back down the right sideline and dropped a dime in for Marvin Jones to make the play. All right, all right, all right, damn it. I can give you credit. I'll call a spade a spade. But first things first, this is the 55th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here. Want to throw a shout out to my man, Doc Illingsworth. You hear the beat underneath me right now. Go check out my man, Doc Illingsworth. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Illingsworth. Follow Detroit City at Detroit City. That's C-Y-D-I on the city. Stands for Can You Dig It? Also, shout out to my man, Rufio Jones. Be sure to check out his YouTube show, Allow Me, where he actually tries out the food that pretty much you don't have to. He finds some rather obscure shit and brings it on, and it's really funny. And when I get my ass back to Detroit, both for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, I'm going to try to find my way on to allow me. That's right. If you're hearing this, dude, I'm already calling my shot. I am coming through there. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith. I am also on Instagram at jscottsmith. You can follow the show at JSC Radio. You can also, of course, be sure to check out jscottsmith.com to support the show, to support the site, to support JSC TV, which you can, by the way, see on rvntv.tv. Go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Damn it. I'm back at it. I want to thank all of you who subscribe, no matter whether it's iTunes or Google Play, whether it's SoundCloud or whether it's Stitcher, whether it's Audio Boom or anywhere else that you get your damn podcasts. I'm just appreciative that your ass is here and there's so much more coming as we head in to the tail end of 2017. This has been one hell of a year. And as you heard there, that was one hell of a game, if you can call it that, on Monday night with the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. And yes, I will call a spade a spade. The Lions went in there and did what they had to do. I said it on this show that I wasn't sure if those dudes would show up in Green Bay, but they did. But even more so, the team they were playing. Oh boy. That is as bad as I've seen the Packers look against the Lions in probably 20 years. And that's not hyperbole. That is not exaggeration. The Green Bay Packers, sans Aaron Rodgers, are a junior varsity team. That team, if they had to play the whole season without Aaron Rodgers, they might go 2-14. That was bad. Oh my God, that was bad. And for once, the Lions did what you had to do. They went out there and beat the crap out of a team. Green Bay... Got one drive where they looked good that whole damn game. It was their opening drive. They rolled down the field, slowed up when they got close to the red zone, and then got a field goal blocked, and the Lions basically put them in a chokehold. That's all that I ask for out of this team. That's all that I ever ask for out of this team. Now, yes, this is going to go down as another one of those wins by the end of this season because the Packers are not finishing with a winning record. They're donezo. I was waiting to see what Brett Hundley could do I was waiting to see if the Packers' defense would step up. No, that team's going to be hard-pressed to win another game or maybe another two or three games the rest of the year. 
That's a that's a six and ten team only because they won four games prior to Rodgers getting hurt. So at best they're going five and eleven, six and ten. Ain't gonna be no miraculous comeback, B. Not from Green Bay. And since the Lions decided to take three weeks off, they're still two back of Minnesota, a team they beat straight up, but they play in two weeks on Thanksgiving. I don't know, man. I don't know. I can never really figure this team out. The Lions have kind of returned back to what they were in the mid to late 90s, where they're just good enough to beat anybody, but they're just bad enough that they can go out there and lose. Now, they're playing the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. The Cleveland Browns. Lions scored 30 in Green Bay. They better put 40 up on the Browns. The Browns are awful. The Browns are as bad of a team and as bad of a franchise as I've seen since those Lions went winless 10 years ago. If there were ever a franchise that deserved 0-16, it's these Browns. Because not only are they bad, they're arrogant. They have all the makings of what the Lions were 10 years ago. Incompetence, terrible luck, poor fortune, and arrogance. And all of those come together in a really toxic brew in a really toxic city like Cleveland. The Lions play the Browns on Sunday. They better win that game by at least three touchdowns. If the Lions are as good as everyone keeps insisting that they are, I don't think they're that good. But they're good enough to kick the shit out of Cleveland. That's for damn sure. They're good enough to get at least one off Chicago. That's for sure. They're good enough to beat maybe Cincinnati or Baltimore, but probably not both of them. That's for sure. They got to do something. But Monday night was a start. Now, you know what? I call a spade a spade. I give them credit. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They put a foot on Green Bay's throat and didn't get off of them. And wasn't that so much easier for all of y'all back in Detroit, all you simps who want to bite my head off when I just simply demand that they not have to pull the hole, let's spot a team a 10, 17, 20-point lead, and then linger, 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 come back in the fourth and steal it at the finish. How about you do what you did to the Packers? Do what you did to the Giants. Get out in front and kick the crap out of a team and cruise home. Now, that's not to say they're perfect because they have nothing resembling a run game. Nothing. I've never seen a team that fancies itself being a playoff team that is this terrible at running the football professionally. The Michigan State Spartans are a better running team than the Detroit Lions. Touchdown, MSU! And, and Amir Abdullah, I'm going to need you to, to stop going to the L.J. Scott school of, of touchdown scoring, by which I mean leaving the ball at the two-yard line as you go into the end zone. That's a no-no, buddy. That's a no-no. That gets you off the field. Well, normal coaches will snatch your ass off the field. He fumbled, gave the ball away once, damn near gave it away on the two-yard line as they went in for the touchdown that iced it. They, they got some work to do. Their defense is still a little, uh, a little suspect. And yeah, Stafford had himself a pretty damn nice night. But that's a terrible Green Bay team. That's not the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers that just seem to be able to storm through the Lions and get all in their head. This, this was the Brett Hundley-led lottery team Packers that you were running out there. That's the B-team Packers. That's the preseason second game Packers that you saw on Monday night. But a win is a damn win, and don't you dare apologize for it. They're back to 500. They're four and four, and there you go. And, and and that's all there is to it. Go kick the hell out of Cleveland, and then get ready because you got Chicago and then Minnesota, 
and who knows what happens going forward. But I'm, I am I learned my lesson last year. I'm not going to be some fool ass jumping on the train until they earn that. You have to earn it. A lot of Lions fans don't make that team earn anything. You got to earn this shit with me. Flat out. Because, you know, it doesn't hurt to win something once in a while. Ain't that right, Tony Romo? I, don't, I know y'all heard about this. You had to have heard about this. You've seen this. It, I mean, this has been a football-heavy show. I think this is the first all-football show I've done in a while. At least dealing with the actual games. And with this thing with Tony Romo, Tony Romo, who retired at the end of last season, retired for good. He didn't do this Jay Cutler BS where he retires and then magically sprouts up in Miami. He retired. He's done. And he's turned into one hell of a color commentator. But I didn't know Tony Romo was that good as a color guy. He's really damn good. To the point where there were stretches of all, we already had stretches of games this season where Tony Romo is out here calling plays. Like he knows what plays these guys are going to run, calling it on the air, and then they run it. He's got great passion. He's got a great attitude. He's not overbearing. He's not stepping all over Jim Nance. He is a natural color guy. I was stunned how good he is. But you knew at some point he was going to say something and put his foot in it. And he put his foot in it during the Dallas-Kansas City game on Sunday. This is what Tony had to say as a tackle was being missed on Ezekiel Elliott in the third quarter. He's really good out there at the corner off coverage, but in tackling? Not his thing. No, and he makes Deion Sanders look good at tackling sometimes. Tee-hee, giggle, giggle. Ooh. See, clearly if you're going to say something like that, and mind you, Deion Sanders was known for a lot of things. His his speed, his ability to play cover, his his dazzling returns on punts and kicks and on interceptions. He wasn't exactly the most adept tackler. Everybody knew this. But here, here's the thing. You got to be real cool with somebody to drop that kind of a line on a national TV game. And uh, apparently, Mr. Romo and Mr. Sanders, they ain't that tight. And Dion decided to kind of have to remind Tony that if you come for the king, you best not miss. See, Tony, I, I tried my best to take the high road. But I don't know. I don't know the address to the high road, so I got to come at you, man. You, 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 you ten years as a starter, you're two and four in the playoffs. You ain't won nothing. I tried to bury the hatchet. Both of us work for CBS. I went and shook your hand and say, Tony, you're doing a great job this year. I thought that would be it, but nevertheless, you keep on shooting at me, Tony. What's going on, man? I got a gold jacket that I didn't buy. <laughs> Dak says hi <laughs> and bye. Tony, leave me alone, man. I got a lot of ammunition, man. How many interceptions? How many interceptions? Nineteen in twenty twelve. Come on, man. You threw to everybody but me. <laughs> Tony, come on, man. You know you never won the big one. You know you never won the big one. So stop, man. Leave me alone. I tried to take the high road, but I don't know the address. I always appreciate it when dudes pull the you never won anything card because it's indefensible. Lions fans get pissed at me for always bringing up the Matthew Stafford hasn't won anything because he hasn't. What the hell are you going to say to me? But he's put up a lot of numbers. He hasn't won anything. But he he set the record for pass attempts. He hasn't won anything. But they, they got to the playoffs three times. He hasn't won anything. That's indisputable. And no matter what you say to me, I'm always going to say he didn't win anything. Period. End of discussion. He ain't won nothing.
Tony Romo did a lot of good things for the Dallas Cowboys. The one thing he didn't do was win. I mean, he won a couple play. He won more playoff games than Matthew Stafford, albeit one of them was handed to him by the referees and Jim Caldwell. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. I'm not going to bring that game up. Goddamn Chris Christie jumping around in the. Da, 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 da. Nope. We're going to be cool. We're going to be cool. Sorry, I got a little triggered there. So Dion, Dion had to, Dion didn't have to do Romo like that. Let, let, let's hear that one more time. Let's hear Devon, Devon. Uh, what the hell am I thinking about? What is this, the Dudleys? Let's hear Dion one more time. Let the swag kind of hang a little bit on Tony Romo. <laughs> Dak says hi. <laughs> <laughs> and bye. Tony, leave me alone, man. I got a lot of ammunition, man. How many interceptions? How many interceptions? 19 and 2012. Come on, man. You threw to everybody but me. Damn! You just gonna let the you gonna let the the Hall of Fame jacket just just drape on him like that, Dion? Really? You just gonna drape it over him? You gonna do him like that, Dion? Come on, man. Damn, Tony. You're a hell of a play-by-play guy. Check that. You're a hell of a color guy. Nance is the play-by-play guy. You're a hell of a color guy. And I got nothing but respect for you on that. I envy that because I would love to do play-by-play at some point. I'm putting that out into the atmosphere. So anybody's hearing this, you got a basketball game or a football game or a baseball game, I'll, I'll get my ass on the microphone and I'll do the best I can possibly do, if not better than your best. And you know this. But, but Tony, Tony, bruh. You can't go up there. You can't go up there lobbing, lobbing, lobbing chin music. You can't go up there lobbing fastballs, especially at a guy who played in a World Series. He'll send that shit right back up the box on your ass. You be careful, man. He gonna make you eat that. And oh boy, well, that's a hell of a. This is a hell of a transition. Lastly, on this show, I know y'all have seen it. It's the other thing we talked about for. Uh, the other thing we talked about all over the place, and this is um this is pretty weird. Now, kind of a little backstory here. Jameis Winston, who's the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston's a weird dude. He's a bit of an idiot. Well, he's not a bit of an idiot. He's a huge idiot. And he had one of the more interesting pregame speeches you'll ever see, but kind of a backstory here. Jameis is known for giving some pretty inspirational speeches and saying some pretty interesting things before and after games. And this goes back to when he was at Florida State. He's known for saying some interesting shit along the way. So I understand where he might have been trying to come from. He wanted to be a little original. Original. Last Sunday in New Orleans. I mean, I guess what Jameis was hoping for was something like this, for example. SEC, Florida State. Florida State, your brothers. Your team, your heartbeat. We some dogs. We ain't no puppies. We some dogs. Rob receivers, y'all cannot be stopped. The whole game. We got the best running back in the whole damn league. And we got a quarterback that's going to toss that thing. O-line, wake up. Y'all been in that wall. Y'all got the hardest coach on y'all. Coach Tricky getting y'all ass. I know ain't nobody from Mississippi getting y'all ass like Coach Tricky. Hell no. He getting my ass. And I play quarterback. Get right, wake up, man. See, that, that would get me up out my seat. That would get me fired up. He's coming in there as a rookie with the Bucks to talk to his former team and really a lot of his former teammates 
and fire their ass up in a game. And you know what? That one worked. Jameis ain't exactly the most intelligent individual, but that one, it worked because it hit home and it got it, it, it struck the right home. It worked. This thing in New Orleans did not work at all. I, I, I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to pass this to Corn after I say one thing. Let's go. That's a W. That's E1. That's E1. That's a W. How many people want to eat a W tonight? How many want to eat a W tonight? So uh, where, where, where do I begin here? Okay. So for those of you who've seen the video, he's standing in the huddle circle before the game, and he's hyping them up, as you heard there. And then somewhere along the way, he's trying to direct their attention, and then this dude decides he's going to start putting his fingers into his mouth, slurping all over him like he just had some really good barbecue or crab legs, pull his hand out of his mouth, put the four fingers up with the two twisted in the middle like he's a West Side Connection member, and talking about, let's eat a W. That's a W. Let's eat one. That's E1. That's a W. I don't even know what that means, brother. You, uh, help me out here. How many people want to eat a W tonight? How many to eat a W tonight? No, I don't know what that means. What does eat a W mean? I ain't trying to eat a W, bruh. This ain't alphabet soup. This ain't alphabet cereal. What the, what the hell are you doing? And not only that, it's like you can hear him. Oh, God. You can, you can hear it. You can hear him slurping all over his fingers. It's the it's the most disgusting damn thing because you know damn well he's been on that field handling that ball, running up and down, grabbing towels, grabbing bottles, all this different. You know he ain't washed his damn hands. And I'm a I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I get grossed out by things like that. I've been in bathrooms. You've been in a bathroom before doing your business and someone comes out of a stall, and they decide they're just going to hit that old dusty trail without making a pit stop at the sink. That is disgusting. I don't know if Jameis washes his hands. I don't. And he out here doing this, and the only thing better than that are his teammates looking at him like, what the hell is this fool doing? Do you want to do what, Jameis? How many people want to eat a W tonight? Nah, bruh. We ain't eating no Ws today. In fact, I'm going to need you to wash your damn hands. Also, sir, because nah, nah, homie, for one, it was just weird, too. It's just gross. I mean, uh, like, I, I go back and watch the video and tell me that you're not as grossed out as some of his teammates were standing behind him wondering, what the hell is this fool talking about? And then it doesn't help that you go out there and you're talking about eating a damn W, and your team went out there and ate a giant L, and he ended up getting benched, and he was also injured. He ended up getting benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick during the game. Dog. What the hell? No, I'm not that hungry. We're not we're not doing that. No. No, 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 no. So look, I mean I get you're trying to be inspirational. I understand what you're trying to do. I see where the hustle is going, but Jesus Christ on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, we're not eating W's today. In fact, you, you might need to just kind of sit your ass down for a little while, my man. Just just do that. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and before I go, we've been listening to the 55th episode, episode 10, Quinta Cinco of JSC Radio. Next week is episode 56, and as I am here recording this podcast right now, today is the 20th anniversary of this seminal moment in professional wrestling. What a, look at this! 
Oh, you're kidding me. Marcus, are is you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is. Are you kidding me? That's right, it's the Montreal Screwjob. Remember back in August when I did my first retro review going back to 1997 SummerSlam and I told you that essentially part two was coming? Next week, episode 56 is the retro review of the Montreal Screwjob during the 1997 Survivor Series with WWE's Survivor Series coming up next Sunday the 19th. I'll be getting your ass ready as we will do a retro review on the screw job and some of the highlights from the 1997 Survivor Series, which in all seriousness was the event that likely changed the trajectory of professional wrestling forever. By the way, the homies over at Straight Shooters Radio, my man Nick and Vaughn, they had me on last week to talk about all things pro wrestling. Be sure to support them. They're on YouTube right now. Go check out the Straight Shooters as they're going to be talking about the 97 Survivor Series from an entirely different angle. This thing next week we've got here on JSC is a retro review looking mostly at the screw job, but also having a little fun with the rest of the pay-per-view. My name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. I want to thank you for supporting the show. Be sure to check out J. Scott Confidential on RVN TV coming up this weekend. And I will see your ass with the second ever retro review next week. Goodbye, everybody. That's a W. That's E1. That's E1. That's a W. How many people want to eat a W tonight? Want to eat a W tonight? Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.